0: 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9 There are 10 things you need to know Number 1
1: Hey guys, welcome back to Hamilton the Podcast I'm Kalayla Rixon.
2: I'm Brittany Nichols
1: And today we are talking about The World Was Wide Enough The 22nd track in the second act of Hamilton and American Musical Or the 45th track overall Clocking in at 5 minutes and 2 seconds The song before the finale song. Are you okay over there? (laughs) I'm fine. Yeah, we're nearing the end. This is a long-ass song. It's a long-ass song with a lot of history. That
2: I don't care about. Okay. All you're going to do is try to make Burr seem not that bad. I already know where this is going.
1: No. (laughs) Though I don't think he was as bad in the musical as he was in real life.
2: Oh, no, of course not. Do you like the song?
1: Uh, Yeah, I do like the song. I like it... Yes, I like the song. I was going to say I <laughs> I like it the most once the bullets are shot. <laughs> but that kind of sounds mean. But I really like where it goes, I should say. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I do like the song a lot. What do you want to talk about first? I don't know. There's a lot here.
2: Should we just try to do all of it as we go?
1: Yeah, sure. So we have it opening up, like, Ten Dual Commandments. hmm I... Would like to argue that the reason the male company says one, two, three, four, and then the full company says five six seven eight is because five six seven eight nine affect family members what oh, in the rules in the rules, yeah, because five is pick a place to die where it's high and dry mm-hmm. and then six seven eight nine it's like write a letter to your next of kin da, 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 da. so all of that stuff affects the women and children as well, but only one, two, three, four kind of affect the men in the duels.
2: I'd like to argue it's because it sounds better.
1: <laughs> all right. Well, you yeah. <laughs> know, we all have our opinions.
2: Um. So it opens with the sketching from all the other fucking duel songs. <laughs> yes. Um. And the music is doing the whoa, whoa, whoas.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Chilling. In it a, is in a chilling. Real, chilling manner. One,
3: two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine.
0: There are ten things you need to know. Number one. We rode across the Hudson at dawn. My friend William P. Van Ness signed on as my number number two. two.
1: Instead of the Ten Dual Commandments, we have Burr saying that there are ten things we need to know. (sighs) (laughs) Fucking
2: bastard. Oh, Also, all has like the Ting Ting's... I mean, it has a lot of things from Ten Dual Commandments, but that's like one of the... Undisturbed elements of it. It has a little ting ting sound at the end. You know what I'm talking about?
1: Yes. Like the, the I think I called it the boxing bell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it has the boxing bell in it as well.
2: Yeah. So right away we just have Burr. I mean, by now, if you at no other point thought that Burr was an unreliable narrator, there's no arguing that he's <laughs> reliable in this song.
1: I've never argued that he's
2: reliable. I mean, but I feel like you've been like, oh, Izzy, we don't know, blah, blah, blah. But I feel like you can't be it. You're not just- But well, an... we
1: don't know. I mean, that's the point of like, <laughs> is he
2: a reliable narrator? He absolutely is not. The way- We'll get into it. But like, there's during this song, there no one should believe that he is a reliable narrator. And I would say that you can't just be an unreliable narrator for one song. Either you're an unreliable no, no, no. narrator I think for he's... the whole thing. I think
1: he's an unreliable narrator. For the whole thing. Yeah, I think I think okay. anyone who narrates in this musical is an unreliable narrator. Anyone? Yeah. So you'd say that Angelica when she narrates is unreliable? Sometimes. I don't think she's always reliable. Hmm.
2: No reliable narrator, not even Eliza?
1: Well, I think we'll come to that at the end. <laughs>
2: But still, if you're saying that they're all unreliable at the end, are you saying a lie is unreliable?
1: No, I don't think she's unreliable at the end. Hmm,
2: maybe. I would say that maybe she is, because that last line of, tell my story, makes you go, oh, okay. Well, yeah,
1: that's true. So maybe there's no reliable narrators. I mean, is there ever really?
2: No, and isn't that the point? Yes. Except for me, whenever I'm telling my side of the story. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's very factual.
1: All right, so we got Burr. You know what?
2: I stand by it. I think that I am a reliable narrator of my own life.
1: Doesn't everyone think they're the reliable narrator of their no, own some life? Some people know
2: they're full of shit.
1: Interesting. You don't think some people know they're full of shit? I think when their intent is malicious, but I think for anyone whose intent isn't malicious, probably. Mm, yeah. And I
2: wouldn't say 100% of the time. I take liberties. All right, so <laughs> Burr.
1: <laughs> Back to Burr. <laughs>
0: the Hudson at dawn my friend William P. Van Ness signed on this is all technology. true they
1: departed from two separate docks at 5 a.m they both had their seconds with them along with people to row the boats their crews their crews there we go Hamilton's second Nathaniel Pendleton had the guns like concealed so everyone in the boat could say I never saw a gun I mm-hmm. didn't know what they were going to do oh uh, they also had the doctor um, in hamilton's boat
2: and they even tried to hide who he was dueling because they covered burr
1: with an umbrella yeah and also there are a couple ways you could argue this but before the duel happened burr didn't think they even needed a doctor they're like oh well that he won't even be necessary some argue that that's because he wants to kill hamilton some argue that it's because he didn't think either of them would be hurt
2: but no burr said he was going to shoot him in the heart (laughs) he said that after the duel who cares? I'm just saying
1: <laughs> what people argue. Then we have number two.
0: Hamilton arrived with his crew. Nathaniel Pendleton and the doctor that he knew. I remember reading that
1: burr arrived first, and he and his second were clearing the sticks and everything. No one wants to die on a stick. No one wants to die on a stick. Or trip and shoot themselves in the foot.
2: You know what? I think I would take that. That would be preferable. If I... Tripped, shot myself in the foot, and we didn't have to shoot at each
1: other. I'd take that. Well, yeah, but they both, like, yes. (laughs) If I were dueling, I would hope something like that happened. I don't think Burr wanted that to happen. (laughs) I watched Hamilton examine the terrain. I wish I could tell you what was happening in his brain. This man has poisoned my political pursuits. And this is
2: when Burr starts being full of it.
1: Okay, what happens is that the sunlight was reflecting off of the river. And so Hamilton, before the duel began, Hamilton said, wait. And he put on his glasses and, like, kind of changed positions. To Burr, that that meant that he was trying to kill him because he put on his glasses again some people argue that that's because Hamilton wanted to shoot Burr and some people argue that's because Hamilton wanted to make sure he didn't shoot Burr so he could see where not to shoot it's
2: just also not weird for someone who needs glasses to wear glasses <laughs> let's not make this a bigger deal than it is well,
1: we'll that'd be like, you, that would be like if you that would be like if we
2: were doing the podcast and you just put your glasses on like I wouldn't I wouldn't notice that I wouldn't be like, oh, Clayla put I think her glasses on. I think on. that
1: if we were about to duel. And you didn't and have your I glasses had, on, I'd be like, what the fuck are you doing? And I didn't have my glasses on. Right. And then I was like, oh, actually. I, I think you would notice that.
2: I would I would be like, why the fuck didn't she have them on to begin with? That would be my thought. It wouldn't be like, oh, it's weird that she has them on. I'd be like, oh, it was weird that she didn't have them on. I assumed she must have been wearing contacts. Because why would you show up to a duel with no glasses on? <laughs> Anyway, Burr is talking about, he says he wishes knew he knew what was happening in his brain. But then, after that, he acts like he knows that Hamilton had made up his mind to shoot based on the glasses. Like You can't have it both ways, Burr. You can't be like, well, I don't know what he was thinking. And then be like, I know that nigga was trying to kill me. You can't do that. And he does it within like lines of each other. He's just like so purposely trying to make himself out to be like a sympathetic murderer and keeps switching like it's just it's so inconsistent and he's going back and forth from being the narrator to him in the moment it's like you're supposed to be like oh where is he in time and it's like no he's being the fucking narrator like he in the whole the whole time this is going At no point does he not know what's happening he's the narrator for this whole song so you
1: don't think he's ever you think he's always a narrator in the song and he's never like a player in the scene right interesting okay well he does use past tense Do we have- yeah i mean that's why i think he's like we'll get to it but his weight is like
2: it's an appeal to the crowd it's not him actually being like oh no wait it's him being like uh everybody's looking at me and they know that i'm about to kill this man i know i'm about to kill this man what can i say to make it seem like i regret this
1: okay sorry sorry i going out of order but it's fine where where are we Brittany is very passionate about this, as I knew she would be. They're yelling.
2: By the way, the company is full-on
1: going crazy. It kind of reminds me of a chorus in, like, a Greek tragedy. Mm-hmm. Anyone who knows the history of Alexander Hamilton and Aaron Burr know how this is going to end, but they're kind of, you know, hinting at the tragedy that's about to happen. I wonder... When you're watching, or at least, because now maybe it doesn't happen as much, but in the beginning of their Broadway run, how many people at the moment of wait, if the collective theater went, oh! <laughs> <laughs> We still have Byrd narrating Hamilton drew per- first position. We have Byrd giving his
2: persuasive essay.
1: Ooh, I found it interesting that Chernow calls both of them antagonists.
2: Thought Whatever. that was cool.
1: They are antagonists to each other. And in in, in the book... Turnout has Hamilton thinking a lot about Eliza and not that much about his children. turnout talks about how Hamilton chose an odd position. On page 701, Turnout writes that in a business-like fashion, Pendleton and Van Ness marked out 10 paces for the duel and chose positions. Hamilton, well, Pendleton won, so Hamilton got to choose. And he says that Hamilton oddly decided that... Hamilton would take the northern side. Because of the way the ledge was angled, this meant that Hamilton would face not just the river and the distant city, but the morning sunlight. So as Burr faced Hamilton, he would have the advantage of peering deep into the shaded area, with his opponent clearly visible under overhanging heights. We're going to get to this later. There is a theory that Hamilton was suicidal. Mm -hmm. And some of the things leading up to the duel... And the way that he kind of took care of his... Estate? Estate, yeah. Would... Has led a lot of people to believe that that is the case.
2: Or he was just prepared. Or he was just prepared. Because he knew what Burr is capable of.
1: Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I just wanted to bring that to attention because he did choose the side that would not be the most ideal position to shoot someone from. <coughs> Hence the glasses and the sunlight and Burr doing his... Thing. first position.
0: Looking to the world like a man on a mission. This is a soldier with a marksman's ability. The doctor turned around so he could have deniability.
2: And um, We should say that the doctor, David Hosack, same doctor that treated Philip. Yep. David's son, Alexander, was the doctor for Aaron Burr in his final years.
1: Yeah, it's also fascinating. In the next couple years, Burr approaches... I think it is Alexander for money because he doesn't have any money and Alexander raises $10,000 for Burr. That's crazy.
2: Burr was trash. He was just <laughs> terrible. <laughs> that's what's so funny is that like he did so many crazy things. Like it's very lucky. It's sort of lucky that he killed Hamilton because that's what people know him, Remember for, him for when there are several other crazy things he could be remembered for.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Now
0: I didn't know this at the time, but we were near the same spot. My son died, is that why? He examined his gun with
1: And maybe, ooh, we should go back and look at that. Maybe he chose that side because that's the side Philip was on.
2: Yeah, but I didn't, I couldn't find anything about that anywhere. I don't know if anyone knew. Because well, would, somebody would have to be at both, no one was at both places.
1: Yeah, but I mean, in the same way that this says, Hamilton chose the side where he would be looking t- to the city. right.
2: If if there could if be Philip s- chose that, same yeah, or got stuck with that, same yeah, hmm.
1: yeah. I don't know. I didn't see it though. Someone look it up. That'd be cool. Oh, my heart, That's so cool. We have six. He examined his gun with such rigor. I watched as he methodically fiddled with the trigger. That didn't really happen. These guns were the same guns that Philip used in his duel with Eker. They had. An option to do a, a hair, what do they call it? A hair trigger? A, a hairpin. A trigger. hairpin trigger. Hamilton said that he didn't want to use that. Mm-hmm. Um, These are John
2: Church's guns. Yes. His brother in law? Father in law. Brother in law.
1: Brother in law. Angelica's husband. Yes. And that was from an account from Pendleton, his second. Uh, what
2: then, that means is that if it, he could have fired easily and it would have um, had a, less of an effect on his aim. Yeah, it was an a easier hamburger. squeeze. Confession
0: time, here's what I got. My fellow soldiers will tell you I'm a terrible shot. Number
2: 8, your last chance to negotiate. Send and in your this second womp rookie. It's used to be some shit because as we know, he was he one of the first times that he comes when we see them face off, he's bragging about his position in the army to Washington trying to get the chance to be his right-hand man. And right. now all of a sudden he's like, I can't shoot at anything. I'm hopeless. And talking about how good of a shot Hamilton is. And this isn't a fucking confession, Burr. Like this <laughs> is supposed to be a time where you're like saying your sins or saying something that you're guilty about. Right. And all he's doing is like building a case that he's not a bad dude because he was scared because he's not a good shot.
1: And Turnell uh, says, he says that Aaron Burr was a superb marksman. Number eight, your last chance to negotiate. Send in your seconds. See if they can set the record straight. I wonder if we see the seconds going to the middle of the dueling ground and chit-chatting on stage so Burr can have his... Like, I want to know what Hamilton... I wonder... I mean, I'm sure Hamilton is doing what Burr is saying that he's doing because he is the narrator, but I, I do wonder.
2: I also do want to talk about... This man has poisoned my political pursuits. Oh, we're jumping back. Yeah, because I forgot to mention it. But it does really anger me. Because he's so angry and defensive for no reason. (laughs) Like, it's immediately following, like, I don't know what's happening in Hamilton's brain. But so we all remember, he's trash. This man has poisoned my political pursuits. Like, he just starts yelling out of nowhere.
1: Yeah, I mean, Hamilton has been a huge roadblock for Burr politically. Right, but he That isn't wrong.
2: It's not, but he's saying it, that Hamilton did it purposely. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like he's saying like, I don't know what's happening in Hamilton's brain right now, but I can tell you that when he was doing these things for uh, that stopped my political pursuits, they were aimed at me. When we know that they were never, it was never about like trying to keep Burr from advancing. It was because of the things that Hamilton believed in. But Burr is, like, at this last moment trying to get everyone to believe that this was a personal attack.
1: I halfway agree. But doesn't... But isn't that the same thing? What? Hamilton is... You said that Hamilton was doing those things because of political pursuits. Not because of Burr. But Burr represented what Hamilton didn't like. So it was political. But it also, in, to an extent, was personal.
2: But I think that he's saying that he's poisoned my political pursuits. Like it's about me, not about the things that I believe in or not the the way that I like pursue the things that I want, not the things that I believe in. It's like just about who I am as a person. Like it's a, it's like betraying him as a man. I think to Burr, that's all he
1: was. Burr himself, that's all Burr was. But I know, I understand what you're saying.
2: I just think he's, again, trying to turn everyone, turn the tide on the opinion of what's going on and why this is happening.
1: Right. I don't think it works. Then we have the whole glasses thing, which we kind of talked about. Mm-hmm. It's him or me. The world will never be the same. I only had one thought before the slaughter. Which, is
2: he trying to say that he's going to be slaughtered? Like, it's just, come on, man. I don't think so. <laughs>
1: I, th- I mean, if we're well, so following your...
2: what he's doing, no, nah, 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 nah. I. But I again, I think that he's referring to he's trying to refer to the duel itself as the slaughter, right? I think, it's but a... he knows that he's the fucking one who's responsible. Exactly. For the That's why I
1: think it's a little bit of both. Because if we're going from the from the idea that he's the narrator, like he's only narrator, mm-hmm. narrating in the song, there's no other way that line can be taken. It's like I I'm mean, about but, to slaughter this man because right. I
2: refuse to orphan my daughter. But that's my point of view. But I think that what he's trying to do, what why Burr is saying that, is that it could go either way. I think that he's trying to tell the audience in this moment, like, I only had one thought before like someone was slaughtered and my where I was coming from became this isn't about Hamilton. This isn't about what beef we have. Now all I'm thinking about is my daughter and how I don't want her to be an orphan, which is full. He's just full of shit. He's just like, oh, and it's like, it's so it's it's really crazy because if you listen to like uh, your obedient servant, as pissed off as he is, mm-hmm. at no point does he like lose his cool. Like his voice goes down when he says this man will not. Make an orphan I had of my daughter one thought before the slaughter this man will not make an orphan of my daughter Number nine. Look him in the which is not something that has ever happened to Bert. I think he's like really just playing it up to be like, oh, what's gonna well, how can I make them feel bad for me? Oh, I'll make it seem like I'm really affected by the prospect of losing my daughter, which I'm sure he was. yeah, he but was not to that extent where the, it just feels like he was acting
1: interesting. I mean, this whole song is about him trying to manipulate the manipulate the audience's opinion of him. Yeah, but
2: that's like the dirtiest to me because it's. I think that that's the most transparent thing about it. Yeah, is that he loses his like singing voice. He like falters in his singing voice, which is something that happens in no other point for him. For him. Mm-hmm. When he's talking about, this man will not make an orphan of my daughter. This man will not make an orphan of my daughter when he's the one who fucking orchestrated the whole thing. You started it, Burr. You did this. And now he's like, all of a sudden pushing on his blame. He started blame, the Burr, like, Or he, he started, started the, the duel. duel. Yeah. Yeah. To now act like he's the victim of like, oh
1: no, this man is coming after me. Churn- well, I, th- I believe it was Pendleton. Pendleton? Yeah, I believe it was Pendleton who, when Hamilton's talking about the possibility of throwing away his shot and that he doesn't want to kill Burr, Pendleton says "Then it will be like taking a lamb to slaughter or something like that. He uses the term slaughter, Mm -hmm. um, which I think is probably where uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda... Got this. Got this. Number
0: nine. Look him in the eye, aim no higher. Summon all the coverage you
1: require. Then count One, two three four five six seven eight nine. Number ten. Places fire. We learn later that Hamilton's shot went above about four feet higher than Burr's head. hmm It hit the trees. It hit the trees. So uh and some people say he shot first, some people say he shot second, and that's why it went where it was, but he did aim higher. Summon all the courage you acquire, then count! This is one of my favorite moments of the musical. Not Hamilton dying, but Hamilton, <laughs> Hamilton's <laughs> soliloquy-esque thing here. Everything cuts out! It and sounds we like wind. Hit. It sounds like a void, yeah, it sounds like wind, it... it it reminds me of what I imagine a black hole to sound like. Mm-hmm. And we have Hamilton for the third time in the musical talking about himself imagining death. death. So death? feels more like a memory.
3: Mm-hmm. Is this where it gets me? On my feet, several feet ahead of me. I see it coming. Do I run or fire my gun or let it be? There is no beat, no melody. Burr, my first friend, my enemy. Maybe the last face I ever see. If I throw away my shot, is
1: this how. But instead, now it is, this is where it gets me, on my feet, several feet ahead of me. Oh, he says, is this where it gets me? It's kind of this beautiful millisecond moment of Hamilton's life.
2: Mm -hmm. And it's, I think, supposed to remind you of Angelica and satisfied when everything is Mm. moving slow Mm -hmm. and she's going a mile a minute because that's how fast her brain works and and Hamilton in the time that it takes for a bullet to reach to re- him yeah has all like all of these thoughts
1: yes there is no beat no melody which in the first my shot it says is death like a beat without a melody and so this is kind of him answering his own question mm-hmm. he says burr my first friend my enemy Maybe the last face I ever see, which luckily it's not. <laughs> he doesn't he doesn't have to live with that being that being the case. when he talks about if he throws away his shot, is this how you remember me? What if this bullet is my legacy? which luckily is also not true, but sort of was until the musical happened. I don't think did, my understanding was not everyone. that wasn't the like agreed consensus that he threw away his shot.
2: No, but I think that just the duel itself being yeah.
1: more his legacy than like all of the things that he accomplished. That's true. I mean, you know, he w- was on our $10 bill, but not many people knew um, why. Why or the amount of work that went into that happening.
2: Or even if you named the founding fathers. But I feel like James Madison gets left off a lot. Yeah, too. James Madison
1: gets left off. Because I
2: think there were, what, seven agreed upon founding fathers? Change. I think that I think it's seven.
1: Um, and then we have him talking about le- legacy, which has been his whole thing since he was nineteen years old, is trying to build himself a legacy.
2: Um,
1: and the the void
2: sound changes between all of these parts. So at the beginning, I think at one forty five, it sounds like wind, and then at two fourteen, it sounds like the ocean. And then at 231, it just sounds like a full-out storm. Which... which hurricane. Hurricane, if you combine wind and rain, mm-hmm. which I think the ocean signifies, and you have a storm. So then at 231, you have him saying the shit with the hurricane. Standing, the in, the the hurricane. Standing in the eye
1: of the hurricane. Standing in the eye of the hurricane, yep. Yeah. This is the moment. Um, um, this also
2: reminds me his his um, talking about what death sounds like. Reminds me of a part of this book called My Heart and Other Black Holes. Have you read it? No,
1: I have not. Is it Um,
2: good? Yeah, I liked it. Um, And then that that book talks a lot about music and death connection. Um, And it is a part that goes, I spend a lot of time wondering what dying feels like, what dying sounds like. If I'll bust like those notes, let out my last cries of pain and then go silent forever. Or maybe I'll turn into a shadowy static that's barely there if you just listen hard enough. And the end of the book goes, and this is, I think, another thing that ties back into the David Hamilton, or at least like the word, the verbiage, the words that are, are present throughout the play. says, I'll wait for it if you'll wait for it. He takes my hand and squeezes it. I'll wait for it.
1: Oh. Um,
2: all about death, baby.
1: All about death.
2: That's good, and this is the first time where we have Hamilton saying that he'll he'll wait for something.
1: Yeah. Well. Okay. So he says it's planting seeds in a garden you never get to see, which is reminiscent of Washington and one last time, everyone wants to sit under their own vine and fig tree, mm-hmm. and no one shall make them afraid. But that is, I mean that is, that is what a legacy is. You don't get to, you don't, you don't get to enjoy your own legacy. And maybe I don't. I mean, it's not a selfless act, but maybe you know that is the point of it—to hopefully give something of yourself to other people.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, but I mean, in this moment, he's saying that he could be throwing all of that away. He's saying that I did do all these things that should ensure that I have a legacy, and this duel might take all of that away. Yeah, and that I could won't be know all if that happens cares about
1: And i don't know and then i also think that this next line lin-manuel miranda jumps out of hamilton a little bit (laughs) and says i wrote some notes at the beginning of a song someone will sing for me Mm -hmm. i feel like that's so him (laughs) i mean yes hamilton's role is kind of like a song writer to an extent but that really i mean you know when you when when you've done the work that lin-manuel miranda has done what songs do you think will think will be you know sung after he's gone the ones he wrote
3: notes at the beginning of a song someone will sing for me america
1: you great unfinished he almost seems mad at the end of this line a little bit Mm -hmm. i think in some ways he he's resentful to america and i think mostly because he feels like i don't think he thinks america is that logical (laughs) I think that a lot of... I mean, with the Reynolds pamphlet and with these other things that he's kind of done and just been like, here, I'm giving you the whole truth. Now, like, now it should be fine. And he learned that it wasn't. I think he he resents that aspect of how America in some ways turned on him. Well, I
2: think he also is talking about, you know, how he's an immigrant here. Yeah. And how... He does has to he does have to fight harder. He did have to fight harder because of that. So mm-hmm. he's saying like, yeah, you do allow for this, but it's still way fucking harder. Right. for me to do this because Right. and of the biases that people have. And I think that that's part of him saying that it's an unfinished symphony because like mm-hmm. though it did send for him and allow for him, because a lot of this is like you you let me. You allowed me. Like you gave me permission. Right. to rise up. When I think at the in the version of the like finished symphony, it's not that hard, it's, it's not, not that yeah. same like stigma on someone who, who would come here from another country. Yeah, you
1: don't need to be sent for to rise up, right? Yeah, because then he goes on, You let me make a difference.
3: A place where even orphan immigrants can leave their fingerprints and rise up. I'm running out of time, I'm running in my time's up.
2: Yeah, rise and then I mean, leave your fingerprints isn't necessarily very clean imagery that's sort of like. Usually leaving your fingerprints is like something dirty. Crime, it's like a scene yeah. of a crime. And so then he goes, I'm running out of time. I'm running and
1: my time's up. Which is what he's been afraid of this whole time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he keeps saying rise up, which is something that they were saying at the end of my shot about yeah. how they had to rise up to create this done, guy. Yeah. Yep. To create, to create the America that they wanted. This must be so powerful to watch happen.
2: Yeah. And I wonder... And he's so determined when he says it because yeah. he has to pull himself back into this moment. Like, right. He knows he's about to die. He's having all these dying thoughts and he has to, like, still do the thing that he's set out to do.
1: Right. As we kind of get closer to the end of this, it's almost like he has a choice to an extent. hmm Because he then says, I catch a glimpse of the other side. And then he's naming all of the people he sees. hmm
3: Lawrence leads a soldier's chorus on the other side. My son is on the other side. He's with my mother on the other side. Washington is watching from the other side. Teach me how to say goodbye.
1: Rise up, rise up, rise up. up. In that moment, he's decided that he's going to die.
2: Well, I think that it's not, I think there's no stopping that he's going to die. I think his choice just becomes, is he going to actually dilope or is he going to fire back?
1: Hmm. Okay. So Um, we have Teaching
2: Me How to Say Goodbye, which is from Washington's song. One last time. And then, I mean, and he's just straight up losing it here. He's so frantic. He's at this point saying, rise up, rise up, rise up, over and over again. And then he's pulled out of that.
1: Because of Eliza. Eliza. He thinks
2: of Eliza. And what he would want to say to her. Were he given the opportunity?
1: My love, take your time. I'll see you on the other side. Here's your big moment, Brittany. Raise a glass to freedom, <laughs> you guys. It really all comes
2: down to this. And then there's a bell. And then there's a bell. Hamilton's death now. I
3: love to take your time. I'll see you on the other side. Raise a glass to freedom. He aims his pistol at the skyway.
2: Burr says this along with them as if he's surprised, which he's not, you dick.
1: <laughs> he says it right before the shot is fired.
2: Burr sees what's happening before he shoots.
1: Yes. Yeah, my understanding is in the musical version, Hamilton never shoots. Uh huh. Yeah, because what you said, he. Burr's trying to say wait to himself. Mm-hmm. And then it gets very somber. Burr says, I strike him right between his ribs. So. The bullet goes into Hamilton's ribs, rips through his liver, his esophagus, and gets lodged and his in diaphragm. his Oh wait. Maybe not his liver then. It, I think it was. Was it? His so. liver, his esophagus, and his diaphragm? And then it gets stuck in his spine. And then it gets stuck in his spine. Um, and he knows
2: he's a garner. Yeah. Like, he's, yeah, I'm dead. He's I'm like that. I'm a dead
1: man. <laughs> Um, he's like yeah that did the trick oh I mean he definitely would have been paralyzed if he survived but there was no really surviving that yeah when they were on the boat he was like I can't feel my lower extremities
2: oh also did you see the part that it was talking about that Burr wore basically like a bulletproof coat
1: oh yeah
2: (laughs) (laughs) I don't think it I don't think it was actually
1: bulletproof but Pendleton was like uh, 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 what's it called what did he call it I don't remember, but it was, like, an overcoat that was apparently supposed to be bulletproof.
2: Yeah, but, yeah, what the fuck did Pendleton say? I think it was Pendleton was, like, whatever he called it. He didn't say bullet. He said another- A pellet? uh, No. But he said it can't get, he's, like, it can't get
1: through that. It was probably just, like, those lead suits they put on you before you take an x-ray.
2: But, like, what a douche. Like, (laughs) even if you hit me- It's not gonna kill me. Like, he's such a douche. God. Uh,
1: (laughs) he really did not want to die. So funny. So Burr Yeah, we talked towards him,
2: but I'm ushered away, which they say he did.
1: And they say that when he was trying to so what happened was his second was worried that people were gonna witnesses were gonna start to come and see Burr at the quote-unquote crime scene so they ushered him away put him into the boat and then burr said i need to speak with him like i want to talk to him and then his second went ran back up the hill to see like what condition he was in and then they just took burr across the river
2: yeah because they were like he's not gonna talk to you though hamilton does say (laughs) in the
1: boat or maybe it's back at um the house where he died that he was like i forget oh no it's to a it's to a pastor, a priest. He says, I forgive it all or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, I wonder if Burke could have come. Because mad people came. It took him a day
2: to die. Mad people came to the house right. to see him. I feel like maybe just Eliza would have beat his ass. But I think I if think Burr a, really wanted to come.
1: I don't. Well, because there was also. Because then it talks about Hamilton's funeral and how. I forget who it was. uh. Mer- Someone has to do a eulogy. Mm-hmm. And he talks about how he was, he doesn't even mention the duel because of how how people were turning against Burr. Right. I think that maybe if he would have showed up, a mob would just have killed him. Mm-hmm. So that might be why. And also yeah. I think Eliza would have. Or maybe not Eliza at that moment, but Angelica might have.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because he, they said he, he had like a hero's, funeral like everyone yeah. thought he was a hero and they said it was as sad as when Washington died if not sadder really the only people who were like well whatever were people in the south cuz they thought that Burr did the right thing by defending his honor
1: right and you know who knows what would have happened if Hamilton lived and continued and then just died of age if he would have gotten that sort of funeral um I'd like to think yes.
2: I think he would have, yeah. As long as he didn't do anything else scandalous. For the yeah, but that's life. the thing is
1: that I think he probably would have done something scandalous <laughs> again. <laughs> I mean, Chernow talks about how at the funeral there were, like, so many women upset. And they, he calls, like, he basically calls out Hamilton for having a lot of mistresses crying in the street. Yeah. The ah-ah-ahs here kind of sound like, do you like Simon and Garfunkel?
2: A couple of songs. I'm not familiar with their library.
1: I really like Paul Simon. Um, but Simon and Garfunkel have a song, The Only Living Boy in New York. And at the end, they have ah-ah-ahs that kind of sound like this.
2: Mm. Okay.
1: Which I just I just like the connection because of the title.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: I hear wailing in the street.
1: And then this kind of harkens back to how mad people were at Burr, but somebody in the musical, somebody says, you better hide.
2: Yeah, and you have him saying they roll back they roll back across the Hudson. He gets a drink, which reminds you of how they first how met. How they first met, yeah. She's really sad. They say Angelica and Eliza were both at his side when he died. Um And... There is the point where you have like the heartbeat go out because at three eleven you have the drum it sounds like a heartbeat come mm-hmm. in um and also the Aaron bursts or music starts playing at mm-hmm. that same time, and then it stops when he talks about Hamilton
0: dying both at side when he died death doesn't discriminate between the sinners and the saints and then
1: also in the when they're rowing back, Hamilton – Hamilton is pretty – so he he nearly dies at the scene, and then the doctor has to use, like, kind of, like, smelling salts to wake him up again in the boat. Yeah. And he puts it every – like, puts some sort of shit in his mouth, like, puts it all over his body. And when Hamilton comes – Two, he says, he's like, be careful with that gun. It was never fired. It could cause damage. Mm-hmm. That has led people to believe that his shot was actually after Burr's because he doesn't remember, but it all, but he's also In near death. Yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, that's, the, that's what makes sense to me. I don't know where you stand on it, but to me, it, it seems like he got shot. He accidentally fires it.
1: The only reason I don't know if I agree, agree with that is because I feel like I feel like the bullet would have gone lower but I because don't think he, was, he was, sh-
2: was aiming at the sky I think that he was developing the correct way which was aiming at the ground and it jerked his arm up and oh, that's what caused him to shoot above his head I think he was aiming at the ground in real life and was planning to shoot there but got hit and it jerked his arm up, and that's why it went above his head.
1: I just, th- like, to me, when when you're hit, like, in the stomach or the ribs, you collapse down. I don't, I don't know how you would go up, but that's the only reason. And I also don't really think it matters. Mm-hmm. His shot didn't hit Burr. Right. That's what matters the most, I think. <laughs>
2: so then at 359 the wait for music comes in between the sinners and the saints it takes and it takes and it takes history
0: obliterates and every picture it paints, it paints and
2: at 425 after Burr starts talking about being alive the heartbeat comes back in which I think we're supposed to interpret as now this is Burr and it's just his story at this point he's not narrating Hamilton's anymore because he's dead and so that's Burr, Burr's heartbeat that comes in
0: now I'm the villain in your history. I was too young and blind
2: to see. I should have known. I and then at 437, known. we have the burr cello sort of like rounding out his part of the story mm-hmm. because the next song, he's not the narrator, really. I mean, he is, but he like hands it off. Um, but this is like him sort of wrapping up his story, his narrative, and so we have that same cello run that's in Aaron Burt and Aaron Burser, wait for it, and Dear Theodosia.
1: All of it's coming together. I I known. I known the world was so Hamilton was taken to William Bayard's house, which stands at well, between eighty and eighty two Jane Street, if y'all want to go there. And he was taken to a second floor bedroom and he had a bunch of visitors. Oh, and then when he, he's trying to comfort Eliza and he tells her, Remember my Eliza, you are a Christian. Which I think is basically like, Don't worry, I'm there's an afterlife. There's an yeah. afterlife. There's an afterlife. They really
2: are, really believe that they're gonna see each other in heaven. Yeah. Them. Um and I'm sad for them.
1: Eliza pulls herself together, Angelica is a hot ass mess. <laughs> <laughs> she was weeping her heart out and she says my dear sister bears with saint like fortitude this affliction. And then he calls on Reverend Benjamin Moore who was the rector of Trinity Church and asks him for last rites and he says no. Then he asks his dear friend the Reverend John M. Mason, did you say why the first one said no? He didn't agree with Doling and he didn't wish wish to sanction the confrontation with Burr. And he also knew that Hamilton had not been a regular churchgoer. Mm -hmm. So he was like, I don't believe in dueling. He's very rude. And you don't come to church. So, sorry. And then he asks his friend, Reverend John M. Mason, who was the pastor of the Scotch Presbyterian Church. And he also wasn't into it. He said any compliance would be incompatible with his obligations. And then he explained that, and this is a quote, It is principle in our churches never to administer the Lord's Supper privately to any person under any circumstances. So he gets turned down twice for last rites. And Hamilton says, Mason tried to console Hamilton, saying that all men had sinned and were equal in the Lord's sight. And Hamilton said, I perceive it to be so. I'm a sinner. I look to his mercy. And he said, he's like, I, I did everything I could to avoid this dole. Which isn't exactly right. Yeah,
2: I mean, he says that multiple times. He
1: didn't do anything against it. (laughs) He agrees to it. He, his seconds don't, he does not do a lot to avoid this.
2: I mean, I think he does what he, he feels good to him. In his eyes, he did all that he could. There's a difference. In terms of like what he feels comfortable with, with the person
1: that he is. He did the best that he could do. Okay. But then he says, I went to the field determined not to take his life. So then finally, finally, Moore reconsiders and gave Holy Communion to Hamilton. And it was after Hamilton said that he also doesn't agree with dueling and that he has no ill will towards Burr. I met, I met him with a fixed resolution to do him no harm. I forgive all that happened. And then at that point, Moore, Moore was like, okay, I will, I'll do this for you. And then, and then Eliza brings in all of their children because she realizes that he's definitely going to die. And he opens his eyes, looks at all of them, and then closes them again. Not much happens there. <laughs> 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 Literally, that's all that happened. He gives he gives Philip his two year old a kiss. Well, Philip probably kisses him, according to Hosack, who was there. He opened his eyes, gave them one look, and closed them again till they were taken away. And then he was. In his final hours, more than 20 friends and family members pressed into his chamber. Then at 2 p.m. on Thursday, July 12th, 1804, 31 hours after the duel, 49-year-old Alexander Hamilton died gently, uh, quietly, almost noiselessly. Almost noiselessly is so terrifying to me. (laughs) I mean, he had to be in a lot of pain. I know. And then Eliza snips some hair from him. Like a true creep. Governor Moore is just the person who wrote the obituary and and Eliza goes to him and like bursts into tears and says, You are my husband's best friend and begged him to join her in prayer. And then and then she gets the letter.
2: Yeah. Good God. And we're back to Burr, who is quoting Wait for it, basically. That doesn't discriminate. To and saints, it takes and it takes and it takes. And then history obliterates in every picture it paints, which is deep. Real deep. It paints me and all my mistakes. When Alexander aimed by the sky, maybe the first one to die, but I'm the one who paid for it.
1: Yeah. I mean. It's really?
2: Like, come on, burn He, go, he, 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 he takes, just died and well, you're worried about you. God. He takes
1: this, like, really big statement, this big, true to an extent statement of history obliterating. I mean, history obliterates the truth in a lot of ways. The history we are taught obliterates a lot of things
2: yeah but history in general just like the concept of it by putting something down Mm -hmm. it's erasing everything else that is left out of it
1: Mm -hmm. yeah and then he goes back to himself Mm -hmm. so he got real deep for a second and then it's like but me now i'm the villain in your history i was too young and
2: blind to see i should have known i should have known the world was wide enough for both hamilton and me which is something he really said yeah years later years later he also says, "My friend Hamilton, whom I shot." Yeah, he's such a dick. It's like everything he says is like both bragging and apologetic, just yeah. like at the beginning of the play. Right, right. And
1: I'm the f- damn fool that shot him. Like it's it's always both with him. Hmm. I really like the line. Now I'm the villain in your history. Um, but
2: the world is wide well enough for both Hamilton as me is. Fr- Oh, my God. Do I have it pulled up? Do you have it pulled
1: up? Uh, I don't have the whole thing, but he says, Had I read Stern more and Voltaire less, I should have known the world was wide enough for Hamilton and me.
2: And that is referring to a novel where the dude, the main person, is unable to harm a fly, which I think is, like, from where that whole phrase, unable to harm a fly, comes from. Uh, like, he he wouldn't hurt a fly is, like, from this um novel Tristam Shandy and then Burr is comparing Hamilton to the fly so it's like even though he's saying like he's saying something like the world's wide enough for both Hamilton and me is because he's saying that like Hamilton was nothing more than a fly he's nothing more than like something that is Is annoying insignificant and annoying and he should have brushed aside rather than killing it because that's really when you're killing a fly like it really is you do have to put a fair amount of effort into you do. it you do. for the amount of annoyance that it's, like, worth.
1: And in that book, the quote is, This world surely is wide enough to hold both thee and me.
2: So, overall, Lynn gives Burr a lot more credit than he deserves. Also, just to talk about the crazy shit that Burr did after this, which I think we've mentioned before, was him going... After the Louisiana was purchased from France, he and who is it? James Wilkinson got some money, got a private, like, got private backing and put together a small force to go to Louisiana to try to conquer some of it so that he could crown himself emperor. <laughs> he tried to convince Britain to, like, give him money to help and they said no, but they did consider his proposal. But obviously that's treason. Like you can't fucking go to Britain and be like, how hey, will you help me become emperor of, the, of Louisiana? <laughs> um, so then he got, he got caught for this because James Wilkinson eventually was like, this nigga's crazy and like turned on him. But then he got acquitted on a technicality. But everyone hated him still. They'd already hated him. They already were like, fuck him for killing Hamilton. And he came and tried to take part of Louisiana and become emperor. And then they were like, you definitely suck. Uh, And so then he fled to Europe. But he eventually came back.
1: Yep. So we were talking about the eulogy before, which is really funny because... Well, like I said, Morris was alarmed by the vengeful outcry against Burr and decided to omit all mention of the duel. This is on page seven twelve of Alexander Hamilton by Ron Chernow. <laughs> but then he he was re- Morris was really struggling with how to paint Hamilton. He was uh, he says that Hamilton was vain and opinionated. And these things must be told or the character will be incomplete. And they must be told in such a manner as not to destroy the interest. Mm-hmm. So he was really struggling with being like, yeah, Hamilton could sometimes be a dick, but he, but he was also my best friend. Yeah.
2: I mean, because I think if you leave that out, then like no one believes you, right? If you right. don't tell the whole story, then everyone's like, well, he's just saying only the good things. So why would we believe the good things if it isn't everything? Right. Um, I hope somebody calls me a dick at my funeral. Do you only want to be painted in a good light at your funeral, or do you want people to talk about your shortcomings?
1: Um, I low key like don't want a funeral.
2: What? <laughs> <laughs> like you just don't you don't want anyone to come say goodbye. You don't. Yeah, want to I guess anyone so. To come. I
1: this is the thing is that I think that I think I think funerals are for other people. Yeah, yeah. So of I think that they should do whatever they want to do. So if they want to say my shortcomings, yeah, totally do it. Like whatever's gonna make you feel better.
2: Is that what your will is gonna say? Whatever makes you guys f- you guys feel better.
1: My will. Yeah. I'm gonna Whatever be like. your boat. Can is that you just play? Will? Don't play sad songs. Make it a party. Reenact my favorite moment from a musical. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know.
2: This is legally binding. Please consider this. Yeah, right. I, no, this is not. Testimony. If I
1: if I die tomorrow, I'm sure it'll be like very somber and and awful because my mom will be a mess. But yeah, no, just like make it up make it fun in a party and mm-hmm. you know, hopefully I die in old age and and my life can be celebrated instead of everyone being super super duper sad. Also, this can be legally binding. <laughs> Fucking cremate me. Don't bury me in the ground. Burn my body up. And I don't know, sprinkle me around or like keep me on your mantle, but Sprinkled I feel like that would around. be boring. But yeah, I don't want to be I don't want to be in, and I don't want to be in a casket 6 feet underground. That seems very really claustrophobic. I'd rather be cremated. Oh, you
2: really changed your tune cuz I thought it was whatever makes other people happy.
1: Oh, no, no, no. In, in regards to my body, it will be cremated. <laughs> in regards to like the feeling in the room, mm-hmm. whatever makes you feel better.
2: Got it. I just want my funeral to be funny. I want my funeral to be, to done be like a stand-up in the voice. Up <laughs> Not a stand-up show, but I want it definitely to be done in my voice okay you guys get, get some packets uh <laughs> please have a staff i have like
1: a writing room for my funeral yeah that would be fun i like that idea death guys
2: yeah that's all i got my friend hamilton whom
1: i shot all right guys well that concludes the world was wide enough the 22nd track and the second act of hamilton an american musical or the 45th track overall did we do all the music Mm-hmm. clocking in at five minutes and two seconds
2: you can find us on soundcloud soundcloud.com slash hamilton the podcast and on twitter at hamilton
1: the pod you can use the hashtag hamilton the podcast if you'd like to email us you can email us at hamilton the podcast at gmail.com again that's hamilton the podcast at gmail.com we love getting your emails we're also on itunes i forgot to say we are also on itunes hamilton
2: the podcast with Brittany and Kalila.
1: subscribe really late in the game to do that
2: <laughs> yeah you can find me at Be as hilarious on Instagram and Twitter.
1: You can find me as Clala Rixon on Instagram, Twitter and Snapchat if you so please All right guys
2: well s- signing out I'm dead now A dot ham
1: I've become a murderer Walking a topper to I should have known
0: I should have known the world was wide enough for both Hamilton and me The world was wide enough for both Hamilton and me